This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Tonight we have the Terry Francona versus Alex Cora debate. Which one would you take? If in a perfect world, you could pick one. If you like Cora, he's your guy. He stays. If you would love to see Tito come back, then this is a fun debate. This was actually broadcast on our YouTube channel. However, I did make a cameo appearance myself. So I am in this video with Alex and Luke. I took the Francona side of the debate. Luke took his side with the Cora angle. And then, of course, Derek was hosting and and weighing in uh, throughout the video. So going to play it for you right here. We hope you enjoy it. We'll probably be back later in the week with the regular crew. So, again, here you go. The Cora versus Francona debate. Hello and welcome to the Bastards of Boston Baseball YouTube channel. My name is Derek and I'm here alongside Luke. And we got a special guest in Terry from the regular podcast, which you guys can check out after you watch this. Make sure you watch this first. Today we will be arguing over who is the better manager for the Red Sox. Is it Terry Francona or is it, is it Alex Cora? Francona managed the Red Sox for eight years, two World Series, had a 744 and 552 record. Alex Cora has only managed for three years so far. One World Series, 284 and 202 record. Um, so I'll throw it over to Terry first. Uh, I know you're on the Francona side of this argument. So what's your take? We've seen Francona with the Red Sox in a, a relatively big sample size. And we've seen him his impact on another organization um, in roughly a, a similar sample size. And the theme is is the same. Players love playing for him. They absolutely love playing for Terry Francona. 2004 made history, down three to nothing in the ALCS, came back to win four straight. It's never been done since. It might never be done again. Or it might be done like once in the next hundred years. But I'm fully convinced no other person could have been managing under those circumstances, under that pressure, especially after a devastating game seven loss in 2003 and, and still pulled it out uh, the way Francona did just the way he influences his players is something that we just, I, I don't know if we've seen it in, in quite some time and, and, and at least a few decades 
And then people forget 2007, we were down three to one against the Cleveland Indians. Very similar to 2004. Guess what? Came back and, and won the series. Both World Series with the Red Sox. Francona was undefeated 8 0 uh, in 04 07. And if you go uh, back to his entire eight year run, his worst season with the Red Sox. 86 wins. If the second game wildcard had existed during his entire tenure, he only would have missed the playoffs in 2006. Go back to that 2010 team. Everybody was injured. Pedroia out most of the season. Veritek out at least half the season. Ellsbury was out pretty much the whole season. They were putting guys like Bill Hall, Darnell McDonald, Jeremy Hermita, if you remember that name. 89 wins. 89 wins with that cast of characters. Josh Beckett missed quite a bit of time with a back injury. I'm just, I'm a Francona guy. I, I like Cora. I like Alex Cora. I consider him to be a top, no worse than three or four manager and in, in presently in MLB, but give me Francona every time. Yeah, obviously, you know, it's hard to argue against the two. I mean, you know, I'm kind of, I'm going to stay in the middle of this one. I think I lean a little bit more towards core, which I know that's definitely where Luke stands. So I'll throw it over to Luke for the core side of the argument. But, you know, let's, so obviously great points by Terry. Uh, Luke, you have any uh, things to work off of that? I like Cora better. I think Alex Cora is undoubtedly, in my mind anyway, the best manager the Red Sox ever had. I wrote this in more depth on my blog, uh, bleacherbrawls.com. Check it out. I'll put the Cora article at the top of the site uh, after we record this. Um, I think of Alex Cora as more than more like a head coach uh, than a manager. Francona was a really good coach. You know, like Terry said, he's a player's coach. All the players loved him, you know, because he had their back all the time. You know, he kept them happy. He kept them confident. He kept them sure of their spots. He was loyal. He was loyal to a fault you know, in a lot of cases. And I don't think many people would argue with me on that one. Alex Cora attacks the game really a lot more than Francona did. Francona was about preparation, you know, um, as far as practice and, uh, you know, keeping players fresh and stuff like that. Cora is, manages the game on a fundamental level so much better than, than uh, Francona ever did, you know, Core is a player's manager too. He backs his players up, but he'll call them out when needed. You know, he'll, he called out Raffy Devers in his rookie year. You know, raffy has got to be playing better. He didn't give Garrett Richards any of his, uh, you know, he didn't give Garrett Richards any outs when he started screwing the pooch because of the, he couldn't use spider tack anymore. You know, um, he had, he had, ca he has cash with the players, not just because he backs them up because, but because they know that he knows what he's doing. You know, Nick Pavetta took him out with a no-hitter back early in the year when he was their most consistent starter. He took him out of a game with two outs in the fifth inning and a three-run lead, um, you know, and Pavetta was fine with it. A lot of managers would be scared to death to try anything like that with uh, their most reliable pitcher at the time. Um, you know, uh, Cora's communication, the way his communication with his players meets his preparation for the game. Look at the game one uh, – Look at the Eduardo Nunez's pinch uh, hit home run off of uh, Alex Wood in uh, game one of the World Series in 2018. You know, Nunez said, Cora called him ahead of time, said, hey, late in the game, they're going to go to Alex Wood. 
you're going to bat, you're going to pinch hit against him and be ready for that. Nunez knew exactly what he was supposed to do when he was supposed to do it. And he hit what ended up being the game winning home run or the game that the home run that put the game out of reach. Um, you know, I saw something, Christian Arroyo's grand slam in Atlanta this year that ended up winning the game uh, last year that had that written all over it. Mincher came, AJ Mincher came in the lefty Arroyo came up to hit in the, the pitcher spot. I have a feeling he knew where he was going to be hitting the whole time. And he just came up and did it the way Cora, Cora recognizes the pitch tipping. All the players talk about that. And he filters that information down to the team. All of his lineups make sense. And I'll go over in a bit about Terry Francona's lineups and how a lot of those were some, he made some really terrible mistakes there. He's steady. He's composed on the mic. He's always backing his players up. So he is a player's manager too, but he's so much more than that. He is like, you know, he's uh, Terry Francona and Bill Belichick all rolled into one, uh, in my opinion. Um, you know, look at the 2018 team. That was a great team, but they had no setup guys. The eighth inning was a disaster all year long. And Alex Cora just, you know, it was really brilliant, but it was so simple at the same time. It's amazing. Nobody with a short bullpen ever tried that in the playoffs before. Take your starting pitcher from two games before and throw him for an inning in the eighth. Worked like a charm you know, erase that eighth inning gaping hole that had plagued the Red Sox all year. He's just, he thinks out of the box, kind of like the way Haim Bloom thinks out of the box as a general manager. And he's, he's smarter than the manager and on the other side of the field and the other dugout every single time. And he's a smarter manager than Terry Francona ever was. Terry Francona had some great teams to play with. I mean, he was just chilling in the dug. He, I gave me the impression he was just chilling in the dugout uh, a lot of the time um, while he was managing. And Alex Cora is really attacking the game as a manager, the way I haven't seen a manager do before. Yeah, I do think both guys have like a, a kind of player, uh, management player, uh, be a player's manager. They're both a player's manager. They do it in different ways, but I think they definitely both have aspects of it. Um, I do want to add, you know, you see, you know, both these guys have been ultra successful. So, at time, you know, it's going to be hard to nitpick against either guy. So, in my opinion, it's all honestly personal preference. I mean, I love how Cora does – I manage the game. I know the pitchers in the bullpen – starting pitchers in the bullpen was – is kind of changing baseball now too in the bull, with how big the bullpen's become. I mean, we've, we saw it before in the big leagues, but it's never been done to the extent Cora did it. And now you see teams – the Dodgers, when they won the World Series in 2020, who, who got the last out? Julio Urias. That's a starting pitcher who just won 20 games this past year. So managers are starting to do some certain things that you see a guy like Cora done – did and it's not that Terry Francona wasn't revolutionary in his own way because they both were and they both have had huge success as the Red Sox manager and you know Cora played for Francona so I guess you do kind of have a good mentor to learn from and Cora was also bench coach under AJ Hinch so I do want to throw it back to Terry though um thoughts on uh Francona as manager maybe anything against Cora well I, I got a few more things to point out uh there's one other specific situation. You mentioned Alex Cora used to play for Terry Francona. And if you remember, I think it was in either 07, 08, Cora was having one of the best seasons he's had in his career. And Francona pulled him aside and said, you know, was honest with him and says, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad you're, you're having a lot of success, but you need to understand that Dustin Pedroia is, is the future at that position. And, and Cora understood it and, and, you know, was a mentor to Pedroia even back then. So I think that's an interesting tidbit when it comes to Francona leadership. 
it's interesting though, during Francona's tenure in Boston versus Cora's tenure, Cora's managing millennials and, and Francona managed Generation X, you know, when Kurt Schilling has a messed up ankle, he has makeshift surgery on the clubhouse table. Xander Bogarts needs three extra days off in July because baseball makes him tired. And, and Cora, Cora calls these guys. And that's one of the things I don't really like so much about Cora. I think he babies them a little uh, too much. But uh, I do want to point out this one last thing. Francona's finest performance in the postseason, in my opinion, was not even 2004 or 2007. It was actually 2016 with the Cleveland Indians. He went into that playoff uh, month in October with Mike Clevenger and Carlos Carrasco on the disabled list. And I think they did call it the disabled list in 2016. He, he got all the way to extra innings in game seven of the World Series with Corey Kluber. Good guy to have, especially in 2016. But then he had Trevor Bauer, who was a flop at that point in his career, had never had that breakout moment had uh, only managed to pitch 8.1 innings, eight and a third innings in the World Series with a, with a 540 ERA. And then Josh Tomlin was the number three. He ran through that whole postseason with Kluber, Bauer, and Tomlin and nearly pulled it off against a stacked Cubs team with Joe Madden managing them. That was the finest performance. And those guys, not all of them, some of them were millennials on that team. So He's, he's managed a couple generations of players. And I'd like to also point out from 2004 through 2021, he's only ever had one losing season in all of those years. And that was in 2021. And they won 80 games, was under 500 by one game. And he didn't even manage half the season because of his health issues. So I'm not even going to, I'm going to take a giant leap here. And not just say that Terry Francona is better than Alex Cora. I'm going to sit here right now and say that Terry Francona is the best MLB manager of the 21st century so far. And that, that's how I feel about Terry Francona. Yeah, I know uh, Luke's going to have some disagreements about that. I know, I, know, uh, I know where Luke stands on that. But I do also want to add, because I know you talk, brought up uh, Cora and Pedroia, I read Dust. I, I know I've read Dustin Pedroia's book. I don't know how many people have um, that are watching this, but Pedroia says Cora is one of the big, biggest mentors to him in his career. But I also think Francona did play a huge part in that because Cora was like hitting like 400 through the first month of the season, and Pedroia was hitting like 190. So if you don't have a manager who can lead that way and set an example for the players to continue leading, it all starts from the top down and it goes from the top down. Leadership doesn't start in the bottom, it starts at the top and it trickles down. But I do want to throw it to Luke. I know you have thoughts. I do want to add both managers did have incidents in their time with the Red Sox. I know Luke maybe wants to get into some of that potentially, but I'll throw it over to you, Luke. What do you have? No, I'm not going to. Well, yeah, I will touch on one of those at some point. But, um, I mean, you know, just really quick on that 2017, um, no, 2016 Indians team. I mean, look back now. So he had Corey Kluber and um, – and Trevor Bauer and yeah, Josh Tomlin was the number three guy. That's a pretty good one and two punch there that you're throwing out in the playoffs. I mean, it's not like they were scrubs. They weren't fame. They weren't well, Kluber had already won the Cy Young that year, I think, or maybe the next year, but they were emerging stars that were, uh, you know, really making their name. 
Um, but so I just think, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe he overachieved with that 2016 Indians team, but he didn't win. He didn't win it. He got to game seven, but he didn't close the deal. And really, when did he close the deal? He closed the deal in two years with two teams who are probably two of the greatest teams to ever play Major League Baseball in 2004 and 2007. So, I mean, yeah, like I said before, I think uh, Frank Kona is just a guy who was managing kind of, you know, like Barry Switzer, like, you know, just kind of stay out of the way. Don't say anything too stupid. And, you know, you'll you'll be, you know, you'll do well, um, you know. Yeah, the players manager thing, I feel like, is what everyone rides on with him. But, I mean, he's a loyal guy. All the players love him. But like I said before, that loyalty tends to go too far. Like with Kevin Millar, how long was he batting fifth, you know, after that 2004 season? Way longer than he should have been when his performance had really gone downhill. And he kept putting him out there at the number five spot in the lineup when he should have been hitting seventh or eighth or ninth. He even said in a press conference once, you know, when a reporter asked about why Millar's still in the middle of the lineup, despite his performance, he actually said, well, there's other things to be considered other than on-field performance. That tells me a lot about his mindset right there. Uh, and of course, everyone remembers the David Ortiz incident, bursting into the press conference, screaming, dropping F-bombs, because Dustin Pedroia played a joke on him and told him that the scorekeeper took an RBI off the board for him. And, you know, that's the kind of, that's the kind of toxicity that can happen when all the guys just think, oh, he's going to, no, Terry's going to have your back. Tito will be fine with it. You know, it's okay. You know, he didn't command, a, it doesn't seem like he commanded a lot of respect. They liked him because he wasn't hard on him, but it was, I think the inmates were kind of running the asylum there. Look at all the stuff Manny pulled while he was there too. Um, his lineups, his lineups used to make me pull my hair out. And I know there's a lot that goes into being a major league manager, but the starting lineup is, I feel like is the number one thing. Bill Miller won a batting title, batting ninth. And people say a lot about that, like, wow, that's really incredible. He won a ba batting title, batting ninth. Well, what the hell was the batting champion doing batting ninth? Why wasn't he batting second uh, and getting a lot more at bats? Because the guy who was hitting second that year was striking out 200 times a year, um, hitting in front of David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez, while Bill Miller was batting ninth, hitting 326 and winning the batting title. And I got to close with, the biggest blemish that could ever be on his on Terry Francona's career, the hugest blemish, 2011, the chicken and beer stuff. Talk about inmates running the asylum. That was a damn disaster. Sports Illustrated cover at the beginning of the year, best team ever, question mark, running away with it in the first half of the year and then totally shit the bed at the end. And here's one thing that I just recalled today when I was doing this, doing the research about this. Ryan LaVarnway, remember him? Scrub catcher. The two other catchers were hurt, so he was forced in the lineup. Didn't really do much. The second to last game of the season in 2018, and 2011, I'm sorry, against the Orioles. LaVarnway hit a couple of home runs, the first decent performance he's had, really. So to reward him, remember, that's the Robert Andino game, the walk-off that knocked them out of the playoffs. So the Red Sox need to win the last game of the season. Francona, off the strength of one good performance the day before, puts Ryan LaVarnway in the number five hole to hit behind David Ortiz and Adrian Gonzalez because he's short on righty impact bats. 
Laverne Way batting behind Gonzalez in the last game of the season that they have to win to make the playoffs. And what do the Orioles pitchers do? The thing that anybody would have done, they walk, they intentionally walked Adrian Gonzalez three times. Brian Lavarnway went 0 for 5 in that game, grounded into a double play with guys on base, struck out with guys on base, took the bat out of his best player's hand, out of his best hitter's hand all game in a must-win game that they had to win to make the playoffs. And that is, that's like a guy driving a train falling asleep at the wheel. That's like, how can, I would never see Alex Cora ever doing anything like that. And that right there is such a huge blemish, blemish. And the whole 2011 collapse is such a huge blemish that I think can't be overlooked. And that's something I never forgot about Terry Francona. And that's the last game he ever managed with the Red Sox. And that's the last impression that he's left in my mind, um, you know, of him being the manager here. Yeah, I, I mean, Francona's biggest flaw in 2011 that ultimately sank them was was his his continuous usage of uh, Daniel Bard in, in the eighth inning before Papelbon. That's what's always stuck with me. But nonetheless, I still think he's the greatest. Just one last tidbit I forgot to mention. He had a huge payroll with Boston. Winning record after winning record has a tiny payroll, probably a bottom six or seven payroll in Cleveland. Still, you know, winning record year after year, but that's it. That's all I've got. So. Yeah. I think that's uh, kind of running a little short on time. So I think that'll pretty much happen. I do want to add though, that 2018 team was a wagon too. So Gore definitely still had a wagon behind him in 2018, but uh, that should no wrap up guys with no setup guys. He took a revolutionary idea to, to close out those games against the Yankees and the Astros and the Dodgers, 300 win teams, I believe. I'm not saying he didn't, but you know, but we have, we are a little short running a little short on time. So I think that's going to uh, wrap it up. Uh, make sure to check uh, Terry and the other guys out on the podcast on Apple podcast, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, uh, make sure to like subscribe, uh, comment, share this video. Uh, we're trying to grow. Um, and for Luke and Terry, I'm Derek, and we'll see you next time.